You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. I'm also the co-editor of Dunking with Wolves, the Timberwolves site on the fan side of network. Today's episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. At only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Ultra Player of the Week coming up later in the episode. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Happy Victory Wednesday. The Minnesota Timberwolves defeated the Detroit Pistons easily on Tuesday night for their second consecutive road blowout win. Um, it was, the Bally Sports North broadcast was talking about the Wolves hadn't had consecutive road victories of 20 or more points since 2014 and they nearly did it. The Pistons, in uh, I guess what could be considered a bad beat, hit a three-pointer in the final seconds of the game to make the final margin only 19 points. But the Timberwolves beat a pair of tanking Eastern Conference teams uh, by, uh, respectively, 32 Orlando on Sunday, and then the Pistons by 19 on Tuesday. Today's show, we're going to talk all about this game. We're going to talk about uh, the game flow here off the top, key takeaways from the game, and then we'll also cover uh, the individual studs and duds from this game, and of course, the Michelob Ultra Player of the Week as well. All right. Before we get into all that, though, a reminder, you can follow this podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts. That includes, of course, Apple, Google, Spotify, and the all-new Odyssey app. That's Odyssey, A-U-D-A-C-Y. And you can also follow on Twitter at LockedOnTWolves and at BBeacon. That's BBeacon, two Bs, two Es, C-K-E-N. All right. Uh, this game was not close at any point. Um, the Timberwolves got off to a little bit of a sluggish start at the very beginning of the game. Uh, there just weren't a lot of points scored early. The Timberwolves took a, uh, let's see, the Timberwolves didn't actually score until a minute and a half into the game. The Pistons didn't score until over two minutes into the game. Um, and this thing was just kind of really low scoring early. And then Minnesota's offense kind of got off and running. And Carl Anthony Towns um, and, uh, and Anthony Edwards scored most of the Timberwolves points in the first half of the first quarter. And the Wolves really never looked back. They went up 30 to 20 by the end of the quarter. The second quarter, the bench unit gave back a little bit of the lead and it kind of hovered around the 10 point mark. But then coach Chris Finch put back in the starters and the Wolves just kind of put the pedal to the metal. Once again, they took a 64 to 40 lead at halftime up 24, excuse me, 62 to 40 going up 22 at the break. The third quarter was was the only part of the game and, and Dicey would not be the right way to describe it. Um, but the Pistons did get the game back to a 12 point margin in the third quarter before the Timberwolves went on a quick 10 to nothing run, pushed the lead back over 20. And that was basically it going into the fourth quarter. This was still a 21 point lead and it kind of bounced between 20 ish and, and you know, the mid twenties throughout the rest of the game, the Pistons never really got closer uh, than that. And, and the Wolves didn't really have any true garbage time. Carl Anthony Towns had to be on the floor. The Wolves put him back in when this was a, I don't know, 16, 17 point game midway through the fourth quarter, or really actually more like five, six minutes left. D'Angelo Russell was on the floor until late. So this wasn't quite the Orlando game on Sunday where it was at any point come, you know, I, I shouldn't say that it was comfortable. It was at no point comfortable enough where Chris Finch said, all right, let's put in, you know, Ed Davis and uh, um, not that Ed Davis wouldn't deserve minutes otherwise, but he hasn't been playing unless it's a blowout situation. Um, but let's put in Ed Davis, you know, Jalen Noel, those Jake Lehman and Noel each only played the final three minutes of the game. So uh, the Pistons hung around a little bit, but but there wasn't really much. You know, there's not really much else to say about about this game in terms of the overall game flow, because it was a double digit lead for virtually the entirety of the game. 
and and Minnesota was was impressive throughout. The Pistons just simply, I mean, they're starting multiple rookies: Sadiq Bay, Isaiah Stewart, Killian Hayes, and none of them were really all that impressive in this game. Isaiah Stewart was in foul trouble early, um, and the Pistons didn't have anybody score. Well, I guess they had a couple guys. They had uh, Sadiq Bay scored twenty one on sixteen shots, and um, and Saban Lee off the bench scored twenty two points on seven of nine shooting. But outside of that. The Pistons didn't get much offense, and if it wasn't for that three in the final seconds, the Wolves would have held another opponent under 100 points. Um, so overall, impressive all-around game for Minnesota. And I, I want to get into key takeaways here next and talk about what they, specifically what they did extremely well. Um, so that's what we're going to do next here. First, though, we got to talk about the Michelob Ultra player of the game. And there's a lot to choose from this week. The Wolves, I guess, didn't play all that well late last week in Miami. Uh, that wasn't that was probably their worst game of the last couple of weeks, certainly. Um, but in over the last three games, Miami, Orlando, Detroit, Ricky Rubio has been fantastic. Ricky Rubio over the last three games has averaged 17.7 points per game, 5.7 assists, under two turnovers per game, and shot just a hair under 37% from three-point range on six attempts per game, 6.3 attempts per game, 54.1% from the floor. This is uh this is that would if this was the over the course of the season that would be even better than the Ricky Rubio Timberwolves fans thought that they were getting this year even though it's been his worst offensive season um since his first time around with the Timberwolves easily um and really one of his worst offensive seasons in his career however the last three games he's been fantastic he has embodied everything that Michelob Ultra is all about and what is that you ask it's joy it's happiness it's enjoyment the question that Michael Bolter asks is, are you happy because you win or do you win because you're happy? Of course, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. Joy creates success. Enjoyment isn't the end game. It's the whole game. Michelob Ultra and the Michelob Ultra Player of the Week is Ricky Rubio. All right, let's talk key takeaways from Wolves Pistons from Tuesday night. Um, number one on my list of key takeaways actually is Jared Vanderbilt. Um, we know that he has had these games, especially recently as well. I mean, he'd gone a period of time where he wasn't a major part of the rotation, but going back to what the first time he was a starter this season, um, Jared Vanderbilt is a legitimate NBA rotation player. And I think he will be moving forward. And, and I made this case back when the Timberwolves traded for him before last year's trade deadline, that it wasn't a throw in. This was an intentional Minnesota Timberwolves trading Kata Bates Diop basically straight up for Jared Vanderbilt as a side swap as part of the much larger deal that brought Malik Beasley, Juancho Hernan Gomez to Minnesota. That that part of the deal didn't need to happen. And de- my guess is the Timberwolves said, hey, we'd like to do this. And the, and the Nuggets said, who cares? We want the rest of this deal to get done. And also... You know, Kade Bates Diop, at least for a team that was going to go to the playoffs, they figured he's somebody with a little bit of experience, uh, uh, an older young player, if you will, somebody whose game will play well as just kind of a rotation guy, right? Um, and Jared Vanderbilt had barely played uh, at the NBA level. I mean, he was primarily a G League guy for the Nuggets. And this was just kind of a side part of the deal that was very intentional by the Timberwolves. And I made the case over the summer, really, for him to get rotation minutes with this team. And then when he did... It, which really didn't, it didn't happen until a couple weeks into the season. You know, we got to, to early part of January and Vanda was part of the rotation. He started some games, especially when Towns was out. And then after Ryan Saunders was fired 
And, uh, you know, a couple weeks after that, actually right after the All-Star break, he kind of fell out of the rotation entirely. There were there were six out of eight games where he was a DNPCD, just didn't appear in the game at all. And then suddenly became part of the rotation again when Towns was out. He missed the Brooklyn and Milwaukee games following the one-year anniversary of his mother's passing. And Vando hasn't left the rotation since then because Chris Finch has valued primarily the energy and rebounding. I mean, those are the two things that Vando brings. Obviously, athleticism, some passing ability from somebody who he, he doesn't score, uh, but he he uh, can pass the ball a little bit. He can handle the ball a little bit. And look at his game log. I mean, in the since he rejoined the rotation on April 13th, so just shy of a month ago, Jared Vanderbilt has averaged only five and a half points a game, but seven rebounds per game in 19 minutes per game. He shot 62% from the field and averaged over a steal a game. Just in the last week, he didn't have any steals actually in this game against Detroit, but against Miami on Friday, he had five steals and 11 rebounds. He had eight rebounds in only 22 minutes in the win over Orlando, and he had seven and eight in this game against the Pistons. And and it goes beyond that, right? It's the energy plays. It's the hustle plays. We identified this earlier this season, the good version of Vando. Think back to the very first, or excuse me, the second game that Chris Finch coached at Chicago. That was a great example of good Vando. 16 points, six rebounds, and four steals. Shot five of five, six of seven at the free throw line. That is peak Jared Vanderbilt. If he's able to put up something close to, you know, an eight and 10 or a seven and 12 or a 10 and eight or whatever, you know, close to a a 10 and 10 type game with energy, with steals, with blocks, the ability to guard a little bit on the perimeter, be switchable. All of those things are valuable. I don't think he's a viable long-term starter. I think that's still Jaden McDaniel's role. And this was McDaniel's first game back after missing the last two. So he came off the bench, but Vando is a fantastic energy guy off the bench. And I truly think he could be more than just kind of a bit, you know, fourth or fifth big. I think he's probably more like an 18 to 20 minute a guy or a minute a game guy, I should say. And maybe not, maybe not quite that many, but his skill set is so, so applicable to today's NBA. And, uh, you know, looking forward to seeing what he does moving forward as this team gets healthy. Malik Beasley comes back. Jaden McDaniels is back um, in the starting lineup. What does Vando's role look like off the bench? And in the games before this weekend, he'd been in that 10 to 15 minute a game range, mostly um, on average. And, and I think that on the nights when Vando's got it, he's really valuable. Um, and, and so that to me was one of the key takeaways from this game was just how good he played, even though the line's not that that sexy, right? It, he he played a really strong game. The, the other key takeaway here is the easy offense uh, running through Carl Anthony Towns. I mean, the offense in this game for the Timberwolves was, was on point. Towns had 28 points in 34 minutes, four of 11 outside the arc. He actually attempted a ton of threes in this game because the Pistons just don't have mobile bigs. Um, that can that can really truly guard him on the perimeter. They did not guard the pick and roll well. It actually kind of looked like the Timberwolves guarding the pick and roll for most of the season. Uh, Detroit did in this game, but Cat had twenty eight eight five three steals. And again, the takeaway here is the offense. The offense was fantastic. It was efficient. Rubio as a cutter and as a spot up shooter in this game was really good. D'Lo didn't have his most efficient game, but he was active. And and again, uh, he's a pretty good cutter despite his general hesitancy to shoot at the rim. His floater game's good enough, and he's got good enough touch around the rim that when he does it and when he is active as a cutter, he can be effective, um, and, and we saw that in this game. So the offense in general is is a takeaway, and, and yeah, the Pistons are generally bad. You know, For the year, they've been good defensively. If you look at their defensive rating, they're kind of middle of the pack-ish, but with this lineup, with all the injuries, with the trades, et cetera, this version of the Pistons is not very good defensively, but still, the Wolves executed despite bad shooting early in the game on open shots. The Wolves did what they needed to do throughout, and uh, and that was impressive. Another t- key takeaway in this game is Chris Finch's after timeout play calls, his ATOs. 
Um, there was a tweet floating around, and I'm, I'm going to try and find exactly who it was uh, that uh, tweeted this out. But there's a tweet floating around that Jim Peterson mentioned on um, on the Valley Sports North broadcast about pl- uh, coaches' points per possession on ATO plays. So, um, which I guess is exactly what it sounds like. But basically, which coaches call the best after timeout plays? Um, which coaches generate the most points per possession on ATOs? And uh, here it is. Uh, this was tweeted out by Shot Quality the Twitter account at shot underscore quality. Um, And Steve Nash is number one, 1.34 points per possession on, on shots out of timeouts. Chris Finch is number two, 1.3 points per possession. Just ahead of Nate McMillan, Luke Walton, Steven Silas, Terry Stotts, Nick Nurse. You started to get in some of the best coaches right there. Um, Now, some of the coaches who are there, there's obviously some noise to this. Like the last place coach is Mike Budenholzer of the Bucks. I mean, the Bucks are a pretty good team. Doc Rivers is second to last. Um, Eric Spolstra is fifth to last. And now those aren't coaches that we often talk about as having great ATO action. I mean, and, and one that often gets mentioned is Rick Carlisle, and he's in the bottom half of the league right now. So it's not the cleanest statistic, and Finch's sample size is much smaller than everybody else's. But the 1.3 points per possession is is really impressive. Um, or I'm sorry, uh, this is ATO in clutch situations only. So uh, I guess this is maybe more impressive and, and I guess a smaller sample size, even I missed, I missed that part of the tweet, but, but in general, really impressive, really impressive to see from Chris Finch. And, and there were a couple of examples of this in the game, in this game, specifically against the Pistons. We've seen the Wolves run the double drag screen for towns on a sideline out of bounds play where he'll sprint, sprint down, uh, you know, kind of cut down the paint, then sprint to the corner for a spot up three, a catch and shoot three, which is just an insane thing for a seven footer to do. But in this game, the Wolves ran the same action, but I think it was Wancho slipped the screen and went straight to the basket instead of it slipped the second screen in, in the series. So Towns still ended up in the corner, but Wancho slipped the screen. The Pistons didn't switch. They didn't communicate, and Rubio passed it to Wancho for an easy layup. Uh, and, I mean, it's that sort of action where, no doubt, they said in the huddle, either you have the option to slip the screen or do slip the screen because we have this action on film and teams are expecting it and they're going to try and stop Towns, right? Um, but instead, Wancho gets right to the rim for an easy bucket. Uh, that sort of a thing is really impressive. And it, it continues to be, I mean, I actually thought Ryan Saunders was pretty good at calling ATOs as well. I thought that was arguably his best in-game strength. But Chris Finch is no slouch uh, and he is probably better than Ryan Saunders. Um, so that'll be something to, to keep watching moving forward. The last key takeaway is the Ricky Rubio, D'Angelo Russell minutes. They were really good together in this game. Again, um, we've now seen, I think three out of the last four games, they've played really strong minutes together. Obviously it becomes a lot easier when Rubio shoots eight of 14 from the field. And as I mentioned earlier, over 50% in the past uh, week from the field, that helps a ton, especially when D'Lo struggling from the field, but they both can function as cutters. They both, you know, Russell's a great maybe not great, a very, very good spot-up shooter. Ricky Rubio is when he's good enough. If he's the Ricky Rubio of last year in Phoenix or even uh, the first year in Utah three years ago, if that's the Ricky Rubio that we have on the court, then the Rubio-Russell tandem works. Uh, The Rubio of earlier this season when Ryan Saunders was the head coach and Rubio was still getting his legs underneath him and his lungs and everything after COVID last offseason and um, wasn't quite in shape as as he admitted, uh, that, that didn't work. But this pairing probably works. And, you know, I, I mentioned this the other day, but you factor in the relationship that Rubio's got with Anthony Edwards, with uh, with Carl Anthony Towns. You wonder if Rubio is as likely to be traded this offseason as we've maybe assumed. Um, so anyway, that's something to keep an eye on. I want to wrap today's show by doing individual studs and duds, as we always do on the postgame podcast. 
Before we do that, though, let's talk about our great friends at Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar of all time, hands down. Did you know Built Bar has nine delicious flavors, coconut, coconut, almond, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel. There's something for everyone. They also have been filtering through these kind of limited edition flavors, so keep an eye out for those. Of that group right now, my favorite is salted caramel. Fantastic. You can also get a mixed box. You'll, mixed box. You'll get two of each of the nine flavors. Most flavors have 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, only nine, excuse me, only four grams of sugar, and only four grams of net carbs. Order today and get that mint brownie, salted caramel, whatever you like. Go to builtbar.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15. You'll get 15% off your first order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at builtbar.com. Let's also talk about Bet Online. BetOnline.ag is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is now in full swing. You can track all the action at BetOnline. Get all the news, odds, and info on your all your sporting needs, including the MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC and MMA action. Before the next pitch, head to BetOnline on your laptop or mobile device. Check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game as teams prep their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today. Receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with the promo code Locked On. That's a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with the promo code Locked On. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, let's roll right into individual studs and duds from the game. Um, another game that it's pretty easy to figure this one out. I mean, the Wolves played really well. They had virtually the entire, actually, yeah, the entire starting lineup had really strong games in this one. Um, we'll start with Carl Anthony Towns. I mentioned his line already, 28 points on 10 of 19 shooting, so great, greater than 50%, 4 of 11 from outside the arc, which is right in line with the season average in terms of percentage. So 28 points, 8 rebounds, 5 assists, 3 steals, 2 turnovers, only 3 fouls committed. He was a plus 32, a team best plus 32 in 34 minutes in a game the Wolves won by 19. I mentioned the bench struggles in this game. Um, and this is, again, plenty of noise, individual game plus minus but as you were watching the game it was pretty clear the bench just wasn't playing as well as the starters in this game and Nas Reed was a minus 13 in just 14 minutes in a game the Wolves won by 19 Towns was a plus 32 in 34 minutes Carlton Towns is really good and I mean I guess that that little soundbite is completely captain obvious but I mean a plus 32 in 34 minutes they win by 19 he's he goes for 28 8 5 and 3 uh, above 50% from the field, above league average from three on 11 attempts. I, I mean, Towns is fantastic. He's he's looking more and more like himself. And obviously, there's plenty of things that went on. This, this year has not been his best year statistically or offensively in general. And a lot of that has to do with injury. Of course, that the, all the tragedy that he had in the last offseason and then he contracted COVID-19 took him a while to come back. Um, not a normal offseason, all those things. And Towns is still fantastic. And this version of Towns that we got in the in the Detroit game and we've seen a lot more of recently, next year can be the best player on a on a on a playoff team. I I, I mean I think that's pretty clear. It's he just needs to have the pieces around him. And the the now the current version of Anthony Edwards, the best version of D'Angelo Russell, Ricky Rubio, bring back Malik Beasley. Towns can lead that group to certainly an above five hundred record and and a you know avoid the play in maybe six, seven seed in the West. I don't think that's crazy. We have all off season to talk about that, but this is the towns that can do that. This version. Um, secondly, for me as a star or a stud in this game is Ricky Rubio, 19 and five with three rebounds, 19 points, five assists, three rebounds, two steals, only two turnovers, 
and a block for Ricky Rubio. Eight of 14 shooting, three of eight on threes. He attempted three, or excuse me, eight three-pointers in this game, um, which is a little uncharacteristic, but he was letting it fly in transition, spot-up opportunities. He was active, got into the corners, and of course the Pistons were helping off of him to try and stop Towns. And Towns has always been a willing passer and always been a willing passer to Ricky Rubio, even though Rubio has not been the most consistent shooter. But Rubio got his chances in this game, and he made the most of them. Again, 19-5, and two steals, 8 of 14, shooting 3 of 8 on threes. The third stud for me in this game is Anthony Edwards. Another relatively quiet game from him. On the heels of a, a quiet all-around game, but a 10-rebound game the other day. He only had two rebounds in this game, but he had 22 points on 7 of 16 shooting. And, and outside of a, a quick burst at the start of the game, it never really felt like this was a... a it didn't feel like he was going to score 20 plus. It just wasn't like a big, oh, Ant's dominating like he did you know, a couple of games ago. 22 points on seven of 16 shooting, so good enough efficiency. Two of six on three, six of nine at the free throw line. So he did get those free throw attempts up with nine on the, on the night. Two rebounds, two assists, two steals. He did have four turnovers, but he was good. I mean, he was the Wolves' third best player in this game. I thought that was pretty clear. Um, Vanderbilt doesn't get a stud, but he gets another shout out for his seven points and eight rebounds, three of four shooting. Good defense, great hustle, all those things. Jade McDaniels had a good game off the bench. Um, he only had one point, but he had five rebounds in 26 minutes and and plus two steals and three blocks and was fantastic defensively. Could have made an argument for him to be one of the three studs in this game based on defense alone. It's just hard to do that. It, I mean, when you win by 19 and he's got one point and, and you know five rebounds and an assist, but the two steals and three blocks don't even tell the whole story. I mean, he shut down former Timberwolves camp uh camp player, training camp player, and uh, Iowa Wolves player, even as recently as this year, Tyler Cook, he shut him down at the rim, I think three times um, defensively, either with a block or just a wall up that forced a miss. And Jade McDaniels is, is really progressing defensively. I mean, he's been good all year, but he's now learning how to control his body and not get called for fouls for the most part and just use his length um, and his general you know, defensive ability, lateral quickness, all of that stuff between him and Jared Vanderbilt, the Wolves finally have these big rangy, uh, fours that can also play in in McDaniel's case, play the three and guard multiple positions. It's something the Wolves haven't had. And they, they keep, you know, they keep almost having it, right. They keep thinking they can find these guys, but now they actually have them on the roster and and Vando's not going to score, but eventually Jade McDaniels will. And he's, he's a good enough three point shooter as well, that he still adds something to the offense, um, you know, today, as of today, you know, and there's a lot more in there. He could become a, a you know, a, a number three scoring option or something in the, in the not too distant future. In terms of duds for this game, it's, it's always tough when you win by 19 to pick a dud. Uh, I mean, nobody really played bad. I, I mentioned the bench struggle, so it's, it's tough to pin that on one guy. So I'll just call the bench collectively a dud. It seems crazy. Nasrid had 13 points on six of nine shooting, but they gave a lot back on defense when Towns was off the floor. So Nas had three rebounds in 14 minutes and was a minus 13. Jordan McLaughlin had seven points, three rebounds, two assists, two steals, but was a minus 11 in 18 minutes and shot only three of nine from the field and one of six on threes. Missed some wide open jumpers from outside the arc. So collectively, the bench can be the dud for this game. Akogi had another quiet night. Wancho was pretty quiet in this one as well. Um, and just generally, the, the bench wasn't as good as it has been lately, and, and that's that's fine. They won by 19. So uh, not a not going to harp on on this one too much uh, in terms of duds. So all things considered a solid game, really encouraging to see the Timberwolves uh, bury another uh, bad opponent, Orlando and Detroit, quite frankly, 
and a, a nearly full strength Timberwolves team on a not great shooting night. I mean, I mentioned they struggled from the field early. The Wolves were only 29% from three in this game and 46% from the field overall. They got a lot of easy buckets in the paint and they got to the free throw line enough to kind of cancel that out. Uh, but it was nice to see them win by 19. And now the final leg of the schedule uh, legs, probably not even the right term. There's only three games left. Uh, the final three games are difficult. I mean, they're all home games. They get back to target center to take on the Denver nuggets on Thursday, then Boston on Saturday and Dallas in the season finale on Sunday. So a back-to-back over the weekend, of course, we'll cover those games. We'll have uh, weekend podcasts on both, um, or excuse me, on Sunday, we will, we won't on Saturday, we'll have a Sunday show. That'll be the post-game pod from Saturday. Um, and then of course we'll talk Denver nuggets here on, uh, on Thursday show previewing that matchup. We haven't seen Denver in quite a while. So we'll talk a lot about the nuggets on Thursday. And of course, we'll also check in on the reverse standings because those keep changing and the Wolves keep finding themselves less and less likely to be in that bottom three, which is not a problem, as I've talked about before. And I'll give that spiel again later this week in case you missed it, why I agree with the Wolves approach of trying to win these games. Um, At any rate, that's all we have for you today on the show. Thanks once again for listening to the Locked On Wolves podcast. Of course, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You can follow the show anywhere you listen to podcasts. That includes Apple, Google, Spotify, and also the all-new Odyssey app. That's Odyssey, A-U-D-A-C-Y. You can also follow the show on Twitter at Locked On T-Wolves. It's at Locked On T-Wolves. Don't forget the T. And also at B-Beacon. It's B-Beacon, two B's, two E's, C-K-E-N. A reminder that today's show was brought to you by Michelob Ultra at only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. And otherwise, that's all we have for you today. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Locked On Wolves podcast. We'll catch you next time. Today on the Locked On Today podcast, when and where will the A's move? That's the question of the day. Get more of the sports news you need in less time with the Locked On Today podcast. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you listen to podcasts.